0: Any reflections on um, seeing the different things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made or did you just go home and sleep? Huh? When you were eating or when you were driving or when you were staring into nothing? Hmm? Anything? Any thought that came to your mind? Yes? Subhanallah. Like in the morning she's saying how many different animals were there. Different, different. uh, Right after suhoor. And I noticed that also the other day after suhoor the windows were open. And the birds were so loud. So loud like everywhere. They're doing tasbih. And that's inshallah what we're going to learn today that everything is doing tasbih of Allah. But we don't understand it to be tasbih. We think it's noise. The noise of rain, the noise of thunder, the noise of birds. It's not noise. It's the creation glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of His perfection of His knowledge, His attributes, His actions, His decisions. Okay, so for Surah Yusuf, inshaAllah, you basically have to write down your reflections, your observations in less than 100 words. Okay, Less than how many words? A hundred words. Because I want your group in charge to be able to read through them and share them. And if it's too long, then people won't be able to benefit from them, inshallah. Okay? So how many words? 100. Less than one hundred. I was reflecting on Surah Yusuf and I thought, you know, there's different phases of Yusuf alayhi life. And each phase is a separate kind of test. Right? So you could focus on one phase, one test and you know, reflect on that and share your reflections based on that. Okay? Share your observations. So your reflections, your observations on a particular aspect of Yusuf's life, a particular test that he went through in his life, from which we can learn lessons for ourselves in less than hundred words. Okay. Surah ra would will begin from ayah number five. So so far in the beginning of the surah we learned about the different signs, different creations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala points towards. He directs our attention towards those creations. Why? So that we can reflect on them. Because all of them point to the, first of all, the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His greatness. And secondly, all of these things being mentioned by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa what does that show? That this Qur'an cannot be His kalam. Whose kalam is it? The kalam of someone who knows about everything. Because if you notice, like we learned in the previous verses, if you look at ayah number 2, Allahul ladhi raf'a as-samawati bighayri amadin tarawnaha. The sky is mentioned. The sun is mentioned. The moon is mentioned. Right? In the next verse, what is mentioned? Mountains, rivers, fruits, night and day. And in the next verse, what is mentioned? Different types of land, different types of produce, different types of plants. So different kinds of signs are mentioned over here. And if you think about it, a human being, he can only be an expert in one particular field. Right? Or his observation is limited to one particular aspect. But all of this coming from one man, what does it show? It's not his speech. It's been given to him. So these verses, they point to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well as the truthfulness of Muhammad sallallahu But yet, what was the reaction of the people? Disbelief. Now, has it ever happened that you're explaining something to someone in such basic terms but they don't understand? So if they don't understand, what happens? How do you feel? Frustrated and you're amazed. Like what's wrong with them? Don't they get it? Something so simple, why don't they get it? Why don't they understand? So the Prophet is addressed, in tarjub, And if you are astonished, if you are amazed, tarjub from ain Have you heard the word arjib? What is that? To be strange. So when you find something arjib, it means it's so strange, it's difficult for you to comprehend. It doesn't make sense to you. So, in If you are amazed, if you are astonished, O Prophet wasallam at the disbelief of these people, at the ignorance of these people, then فَعَجَبٌ قَوْلُهُمْ Then astonishing is their saying. Meaning, yes, indeed it is very surprising. Yes, indeed it is very strange. You are fair when you think that these people are you know, making a big mistake by not believing. Does it ever surprise you does it ever make you wonder how people live without belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Think about it in your life if there was no iman then how would you deal with life's problems your sickness somebody's death how would you deal with it really i cannot understand how a person can live without belief in Allah without belief in akhirah i don't know how they can survive If I were in their position, I would go crazy. Literally, I would go crazy. Because what brings me comfort in every situation is the fact that Allah is there. He is watching. He is planning. He knows better. There is wisdom behind this. Inshallah, there is khair in this. Right? Everything connects you to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It puts everything in perspective. So if someone doesn't believe in Allah, then yes, this is very strange. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, yes, It is strange. What is strange? Qawlihum they're saying which saying that أَإِذَا Kunna Turaban What? When we have turned into dust, inna lafi جَدِيدٌ are we going to be in a creation that is jadid, meaning in a creation that is new? The Prophet is told you find their disbelief in the Quran surprising? They even deny the resurrection. And how is it that an intelligent person can deny resurrection? If a person denies resurrection, that's very, very foolish. Because think about it. How is it logical that people are living their lives in different ways and they all just turn to dust and that's it? There's no justice? There's no repayment? That's not fair. My mind doesn't accept it. I don't know how anybody's mind can accept it. Likewise, we learned yesterday that within 10 years, every cell of the body is replaced. So if this happens when we are alive, then why it cannot happen once our bones have turned into dust? Why can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not bring the creation again? Why can He not recreate? Of course it's possible for Him. So those who reject, those who deny, yes, then indeed this is very surprising. Allah says, kafaroo bi Rabbihim." Those are the people who have disbelieved in their Lord. Wa ulaika and those fi a'naqihim. Al-aglal, collars, chains, will be where in their necks. Alaqlal is a plural of ghul, and ghul is a collar or a chain that locks the neck to the hands, or rather the hands to the neck. So you can imagine something that is around the neck of a person, but it's also tying their hands together. So those are the people who will be chained up in this way, wa ulaika ashabun, and those are the companions of the fire, the inmates of the hellfire, whom fiha khalidun, they will abide therein eternally. Now if you think about the punishment that is being mentioned over here for such people, is what their hands tied to their necks. And if there is a collar around the neck, can a person bend his neck? Can he bend his neck? No. Have you ever seen someone wearing a neck brace or a neck collar because of some injury or some pain or something? Then what happens? Even if they want to bend forward, they cannot. I remember my math teacher, because he used to bend over so much, he had to wear this neck brace for weeks and weeks. And it was so difficult for him because he was just always sitting like this and he would be struggling to look down with his eyes. But he couldn't bend over. He couldn't bend over. You know, it's like when you're wearing a seatbelt or something or when children are wearing seatbelts, then they try to come forward, but can they? No, they cannot. They try to bend forward, but they cannot. So, remember that the punishment that Allah gives is similar to the crime that has been committed. Always. The punishment resembles the crime. Now how does this punishment resemble their crime? What was their crime? Pride, arrogance, not submitting, not surrendering, not humbling themselves before Allah. So okay, don't humble yourself, stand proud and arrogant for as long as you want, but eventually what's going to happen? ulaikal aghlal fi Collars, chains around their necks, and they will be dragged into the fire in this way. وَيَسْتَعْجِلُونَكَ And they impatiently urge you, they hasten you. ujla To hasten. To want something to happen before it's right time. You know that there is a fixed time for something. Iftar is going to be after 9 o'clock. Hmm? But what happens? A person says, Oh, I wish it was at 8.30. Can it please be at 8.30? Please just one day. No. If you do that, your fast will not be accepted. Because you're doing something before it's due time. So, yasta'ajilunaka, they want you to hasten. They want you to bring something quickly. What? Bissayyati, the evil. They want you to bring evil qabla al hasana before the good. Meaning, instead of asking for good, what are they asking for? Evil. Instead of asking Allah for blessings and mercy, what are they demanding? that some evil should descend on them. And what is that evil? Punishment. Instead of asking Allah for guidance, they say, Ya Allah, if we're really wrong, punish us. Oh, Muhammad, if we're really wrong, then bring the punishment that you've been threatening us with. al Hasana. And this is the foolishness of many people. When they don't understand something, they become impatient. And they start making ridiculous demands. And this happens in different life situations also. In a hadith we learned that once there was a man who was hurting somewhere, a particular part of his body, and he didn't want to bear the pain. So what did he do? He just took a sharp tool, and he scraped that wound off, and he bled to death basically. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that, My servant has been impatient. He was impatient. So he will be punished in this way until the Day of Judgment. He wasn't able to tolerate the pain for a few hours, He took matters in his own hand. He killed himself, basically. So, okay, this punishment of suicide is what—that a person will continue to kill himself in that way until the day of judgment. Meaning, in the life of Barzakh, this is what he's doing, constantly, you know, imposing that same adab on himself until the day of judgment. So, this is the problem with many people. يَسْتَعْجِلُونَكَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ قَبْلَ الْحَسَنَةِ any time that we are in distress, we are in some hardship, we are in some pain, in some difficulty, that is the time to ask Allah for relief, for help. That is the time to get closer to Allah. But what is it that we do impatiently? We say, I can't take this anymore. It better be over. I don't care what happens, it just better stop for me. But when a person is impatient like that, then he literally is out of the pan, into the fire. It's going to get worse. It's going to get more difficult. So the mushrikeen of Makkah, what would they do? In their opposition to the Prophet ﷺ, in their pride against him, they started making demands for punishment. We're not believing. Fine, go ahead, bring the punishment. Instead of asking Allah for guidance, they ask for punishment. al-hasanah. وَقَدْ خَلَتْ and it has passed Min قَبْلِهِمْ before them. Al the exemplary punishments. Mathulat is a plural of Mathulah. And Mathula from the root letters? Mem tha lamb. What does mathal mean? Mathal. Example. Mathulah is an exemplary punishment. A punishment that is a lesson for others. A punishment that serves as a lesson for others. You know people, they really take a lesson from it, so when they see it happen, they're like, "I don't want to do anything like this." And then that punishment becomes an example that is given to the people. Hmm? like, for example, if there is a person who is you know making some foolish demands, foolish demands, hmm? like for example, he's very sick and tired of the situations in his life, so he says, You know what, I just want to die already. I wish I could just get seriously ill and just finish off. I wish I could get cancer or something like that and just die. If he makes such a demand, then what will people say to him? Are you crazy? Hear yourself. Do you know what happens to people who are suffering in hospitals? Do you realize what you're asking for? So he is given examples of people who have gone through something similar. Why? So that he would abstain from behaving foolishly, right? Or for example, if there is a child climbing up on the table repeatedly and you warn them, don't do this, it's dangerous, but they don't listen, then you remind them, remember when you did this last time and you fell and hurt your face? Hmm? So that is an example for them. that I better keep away from this because the same thing might happen to me. So Allah says, وَقَدْ خَلَتْ min قَبْلِهِمْ Al-mathulat. Exemplary punishments have passed before them. Don't they know about what happened to the people of Nuh a.s.? What happened to the people of Salih a.s.? What happened to the people of Lut a.s.? Aren't they examples for them? Don't they know what a punishment is like? And this is something so foolish. Asking for God's punishment. So foolish. This is just like a person is being hung publicly. And... A man is watching him and he says, Oh, please hang me also. Seriously? Do you realize what you're asking for? It's so foolish. So the mushrikeen of Makkah in their pride, what were they doing? Bring the punishment, bring the punishment. Allah says, وَقَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمُ الْمَثُلَاتِ ربك, and indeed, your Lord, He is surely Possessor of Forgiveness for the people, meaning He is very forgiving to the people. Why are they asking for punishment? Why don't they beg Him for forgiveness in the same way? You know, like we ask Allah for things that we should not be asking for. If we ask for good in that same way, it would be much better for us. Allah is forgiving to the people. And this is why He gives them respite until the appointed time. Allah zulmihim, Despite their zulm, Despite their injustice. They commit sin. They make these foolish demands but He doesn't respond to them. He gives them time. inna Iqab And indeed your Lord is severe in penalty. Severe in punishment. Meaning a time will come when He will punish the people for their crimes. So don't hasten for that time. Don't rush for that time. Rather the respite that you've been given, beg Allah for forgiveness during that time. Ask Him to forgive you, and you will find Him forgiving. And those who disbelieve say, Lawla أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ آيَةٌ مِّن رَبِّه. How come a miracle has not been sent down on him? On who? On Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم?" Now these are all the different reactions of the people of Makkah towards the Prophet وسلم, right? when they did not believe. Some demanded punishment, others said, oh, if you're really a prophet, then how come a miracle has not been given to you? You know, Musa, he had a staff, Isa salam performed amazing miracles. What about you? What miracles do you have to show us? They say, how come a miracle has not been given to him by his Lord? And they didn't want any miracle, they actually wanted specific miracles. They said we want to see specific miracles. Like remember the people of Thamud, what did they say? We want to see a she camel. And were they shown? Yes, they were shown. Did it work? Did they believe? No, they didn't believe. Because people who are going to believe, they will believe even without seeing miracles. Like Abu Bakr al-Dhahab, all right? He didn't see any amazing super miracles. He he knew. Abdullah bin Salam, did he see amazing miracles being performed by the Prophet? No. He saw the face of Muhammad and he knew that he was not a liar. Right? So people who are going to believe, who are willing to accept the truth, they don't need to be convinced by you know amazing miracles. It's just like if someone is willing to make a change in their life They don't need to be convinced by one study after another, one scientific evidence after another. No. One or two things are sufficient. If they're willing to make a change, if they're open to ideas, right? what will they do? They will embrace. But those who don't want to accept, you can convince them with one study and one forward email and one research. Are they going to accept? No. The mushrikeen of Makkah, they demanded specific miracles. And what is it that they demanded? That if you're really a prophet, then turn the Mount Safa into gold. Have you seen Safa Marwa? Have you seen Safa Marwa? When you go for sa'i, when you're doing Umrah and you're doing sa'i between the two mounts, Safa and Marwa. These days, you don't actually see the mount; you just see, you know, rock that is sealed. All right. Because there are so many people constantly using that place for so for the purpose of safety and also for the purpose of more people, you know, benefiting. This is why they have to do this. But imagine a mountain, even a small hill. They said, turn it into gold. When it turns into gold, we will believe in you. Or they said, you should have a house of gold. If you are really a messenger of Allah, then your house should be of zukhruf. You should have some riches. You should have some kind of wealth. Some money. Or they said, make an orchard grow in Makkah. An orchard of fruit trees, date palms. Make that grow in Makkah. Now think about it. Makkah is what? What is it? A desert, right? It's a barren valley. Wadin ghairi بِي زرع. It's a wadi that does not grow anything. Hmm? Because it's rocky, it's sandy. And they wanted an orchard over there. So such miracles they would demand. And every now and then, something new. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ منذر. Indeed, you are only a warner. You, Muhammad Wasallam, have been sent to warn people, not to show tricks to them. وَلِكُلِّ قَوْمٍ هَادٍ And for every people, for every nation, is a hadin. Hadin meaning a hadi. Hadi is who? One who gives hidayah, one who guides. And remember, hidayah is of two types. Hidayah, irshad, and hidaya tawfiq. Hidayah, irshad is what? Giving knowledge and instruction. And all prophets brought this hidayah. And the second type of hidayah is of tawfiq. Give the ability to the person to accept. And that is only in the hands of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for every nation is a guide, meaning... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to every community, every people, someone who would instruct them, someone who would teach them. And you, O Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, have been sent as a teacher. Your job is to guide people, not to enchant people with miracles, impress them and excite them with miracles. No. And what have these things got to do with your job anyway? You understand? Like for example, if there is a teacher their job is to teach, not to entertain. Right? And if someone says, Oh, but, you know, this particular science class, my professor is so boring, he just comes and lectures and gives us homework, and that's it. It's no fun. Well, you're not going to school for fun. I mean, it's good if you have fun, but if you want to be entertained, you don't sit in science class. If you want to be entertained, you can sit in front of the television maybe, but not in front of a professor. You cannot blame the professor... For teaching you, because that is his job. You understand? So the people said, oh, if you're a prophet, then why don't you show miracles? Allah says, you have not been sent for this purpose. The role of the messenger is to guide people. Teach them, not entertain them with different performances. One performance after another. No. And like we discussed earlier, those who are willing to believe, they don't need to see all these miracles. Just seeing the face of the Messenger is sufficient. And if people wish to see miracles, then there are many miracles around us, above us, below us, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned. Use your mind, use your intelligence, look around yourself, and you will see many miracles. Now remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us many proofs, many ayat He has shown us. Hmm? But he hasn't, especially to this ummah, He hasn't shown us such things because of which there is no doubt left. Meaning, after seeing it, there is no doubt left. Like for example, if the people saw Angel Jibril, would they have any doubt left? No. When the Prophet ﷺ went for Isra, if it happened during the day, and the Mushrikeen saw the Prophet ﷺ traveling, you know, at that speed, in the sky, on buraq would there be any doubt left? No. After seeing that, after witnessing that, there would be no doubt left. If people saw Allah, would they have any doubt in the existence, in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't show such proofs, such signs, such miracles. Why? Because then, what would be the test of life? This is just like when you have an exam. You are given some guidelines as to what you're going to be tested on. What kind of questions you're going to be asked. What the length of the exam is. What materials you need to prepare. Right? How much marks does a certain section carry? Right? You're told. First section which is going to be this this material carries 30% of your mark. For example. You're given an idea, but you're not told the very questions that you're going to be asked in the exam. Are you told? Are you? Does your teacher tell you that you're going to be asked these five questions, make sure you know them really well? Does she ever tell you? Does he ever tell you? No. But they tell you, make sure you read through all of these chapters and focus on the studies and the researchers and so on and so forth. They give you a guideline but they don't tell you the exact questions because if they tell you the exact questions then that's not a test that's not an exam it's not an exam and if somebody has access to those questions before the exam they're not going to be marked for that exam right because they saw the test paper they saw the exam before they were supposed to see it their test is going to be cancelled right so Likewise, in this life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown us enough proofs that enable us to understand tawheed, Allah's existence, His oneness, Akhirah, There are enough proofs in the creation. But He hasn't shown us the angels. He hasn't given us a preview of the Day of Judgment. He hasn't shown us the trumpet. Because if we lived while seeing all of these things, we wouldn't be able to live. Right? Like, for example, what happens in the grave? People are tested, they're punished. And there were occasions when the Prophet ﷺ was made to hear the punishment that the people were being given inside their graves. And the Prophet ﷺ said at another occasion that I would ask Allah to make you hear this punishment. But he didn't. Why? Because He knew that we would not be able to take it. How could we live? Imagine, how could we eat if we heard people screaming beneath our feet, under the ground? How could we live? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us enough proofs to help us believe in the Akhirah, but He hasn't shown us the Akhirah. Likewise, there are enough proofs present to convince us of the truthfulness of Muhammad sallallahu but everything is not shown to us. There are enough proofs to help us believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but Allah has not shown Himself to us. So does it make sense to you now? Because this is something that people highlight a lot. That if we're required to believe in God, then how come we cannot see God? Why? Why can we not see Him? If we're supposed to believe in Him, why is He hidden from us? Well, if you saw Him, then this life would not be a test. And how could you live? How could you even survive on this earth? You know, sometimes when you're, suddenly this feeling overcomes you that Allah is watching me, and you become scared or nervous or shy, sometimes happy, but sometimes these feelings of fear overcome you. Now imagine, if we were living this life while seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we wouldn't be able to live. We wouldn't be able to. So remember that there is benefit in hiding, in keeping things in the ghayb from us, benefit for us. But at the same time, we have not been deprived of proofs. So to say, oh, how come you know these miracles have not been given? And how come we don't see God? And how come we don't see the angels? No, these are not demands that can come from an intelligent person who uses his reason. Allah says, Allahu يَعْلَمُ Allah knows مَا تحمل, What she carries Who carries? كُلُّ unsa, Every female Allah knows what each female carries Where? In her womb And each female Female meaning whether from human beings or other creation Allah knows what is inside the womb of every female Do women know themselves? What's going on inside? They have no idea. A woman thinks that she's going to start her menstruation on a particular day, but doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen. And she thinks that she's not going to start, but she starts. She thinks that she's not going to end, but it ends. Even women don't have any idea as to what's going on inside their bodies. And many people find it very frustrating. But who knows? Who knows? Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. knows? Ma ta'hmilu كُلُّ unsa. How much blood is in there? If there is a fetus in there or not? Only Allah knows. And many times women have no idea about their pregnancies. No idea. And they discover much later. Or they discover, you know, after a couple of weeks or after a couple of months. And it had been going on for so long and they had no idea. Who knows? Allah knows. Allahu ya'lamu. Ma ta'hmilu. كُلُّ unsa. A woman thinks she has a feeling she's gonna have a boy, but it happens to be her girl. Hmm? She thinks she's gonna have twins, but it happens to be one child. Hmm? So Allah knows. wa ma tazdad. And He also knows الأرحام, What the wombs reduce, diminish, decrease. ma tazdad and what they increase. تَغِيْضُ From the root letters, غَيْنْ Ya غَيْض Remember Surah Hud? al الْمَاء And the water subsided, it reduced, it, it, it was absorbed by the earth. Right? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the sky that hold your water and the earth to swallow its water after the great flood. So what happened? al الْمَاء So غَيْضُ is to diminish, To reduce. To shrink. So ma ta'ridul arham, the wombs, they reduce. Now remember the word ta'ridul is understood in two ways. Firstly, the wombs reduce; they shrink, they lessen, meaning themselves. So, for example, when a woman is pregnant, the womb literally it gets enlarged like a balloon, right? And after the birth of the baby, then what happens? It shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And comes back to its original size. Hmm? So this is the increasing, decreasing of the womb itself. So mata ridul arham Allah knows how it's shrinking in its size and how it is increasing in its size. Hmm? And secondly, mata ridul arham meaning what is reducing in the womb or because of the womb. Inside the womb. Like for example. The pregnancy itself, Hmm? the baby inside the womb, how it is growing or how it is not growing, Allah knows. Right? People think that, okay, it's going to be perfectly fine baby, but when the baby is born, six fingers instead of five. Hmm? Six fingers instead of five. So increased. Something increased in the womb. Or, you know, four fingers instead of five. Something decreased in the womb. Something was extra. something was you know missing. So what grew, what decreased, what increased, what reduced, you understand? So and not just the pregnancy, not just the baby, but even the menstruation. So for example, one period that a woman has very heavy, another very light. one seems to never end and the other seems to never begin. So Allah knows ما تغيظ الأرحم وما تزداد It's amazing. This womb that is inside of a woman is like an amazing factory. Literally. There are so many things happening inside it. There are so many changes happening in the woman's body because of the womb. How the hormones, you know, they increase, decrease. And because of that, there's so many changes that happen in the blood. A woman's mood swings, They go high and they go low, right? Because of what's happening in the womb. Her temperament goes here and it goes here. Her depression and happiness, they can go here and here, like up and down, literally increase and decrease because of what? Because of what's going on in the womb. So there are so many things happening in the womb and they affect a woman so much, in so many ways, physically, emotionally. And who's aware of that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala But remember It's not happening Without any reason وَكُلُّ شَيْءٍ عِنْدَهُ بِمِقْدَارِ And everything with him Is by due measure مِقْدَار What is مِقْدَار? Measure Meaning everything happens According to a precise measure You know for example A woman cannot understand Why is my period for four days this month? Why isn't it a regular cycle? Why isn't it a regular length? Because مِقْدَارِ It was decreed to be this much only. Another woman cannot comprehend why she cannot stop bleeding. Because that was the mīqdār. That is something that Allah had decreed for you. So remember, these things that are happening inside the body, they're not happening haphazardly. They're happening because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing those changes or not allowing those changes. And there is wisdom behind that. وَكُلُّ شَيْءٍ عِنْدَهُ بِمِقْدَارُ Who is Allah? عَالِمُ الْغَيْبِ وَالشَّهَادَةِ The knower of the unseen and the witnessed. He knows what's going on behind the scenes. Right? What is hidden from our view, غَيْب, what is hidden from us. And shahada, That which is witnessed by us. He knows. Nothing is hidden from Him. Because He is Al Kabir, the grand. And He is Al Mutaal, the exalted. Mutaal from Ullu and Ulu is to be high. Mutaal is one who is exalted, elevated, very exalted over his creation, above any evil, above any deficiency, above any weakness. He is high and exalted. Now if you think about it, there's so much that is going on in our body all the time. Hidden from our view. Completely hidden. We have no idea as to what's going on inside our stomach, inside our intestines. No clue. What's going on with our blood? Right? And there's things that we can see, we can feel, but there are other things that we cannot. Like for example, the chemical changes that are happening inside the body, we cannot necessarily see them. Because it's not like an organ that is, you know, changing or that is hurting. You can't see those changes. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of us, He knows about us, Every level. What's going on on the surface? What's going on inside? And this knowledge that he possesses, what does it show? His perfect power. Because knowledge is power, right? The more knowledge someone has, the more powerful they have. And the repeated mention of Allah's knowledge, what does that show? His power, His perfection. سَوَاءُمْ minkum. It is the same Concerning you. Min doesn't mean from over here, rather gives a meaning of concerning, about. It is the same concerning you. Meaning to him, it's the same. It doesn't make any difference. What? Man asarra al The one who conceals his speech, and wa man And the one who publicizes it. Asarra. Seen ra-ra. Sir. What does that mean? Secret. Remember Yusuf alayhi He concealed it. Walam yubdiha lahum. And jahara. What does jahar mean? To publicize, to make it known. So there are two people. One is he who is hiding his thoughts, his feelings inside his heart. And the other is a person who's, you know, going on expressing himself. Hmm? Now both people, the one who is silent and the one who is talking, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala both of them are the same. Both of them are the same. Have you ever come across people who are very, very quiet in general? Like I am seeing people who are so quiet. So I don't know what's going on inside their minds, inside their hearts. Has it ever happened to you? That you come across people, you're sitting with them, let's say at a social gathering, and one person is just quiet. They smile, they say a word or two, they say a sentence or two, and they're quiet. And it bothers you. What's wrong? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? Why don't they talk? Why don't they express themselves? It's like you have to pry you know, some kind of information out of them. And you feel as if you are you know, intruding by talking to them. And... Another person, they just don't stop talking. Right? They just go on expressing themselves. So the person who's quiet, how much do you know about them? Very little. But the person who's talkative, how much do you know about them? A lot. A lot. The other day I was at the park with my kids and there were these high school kids. And they're going on talking, talking, talking about you know university and missing some date and a scholarship and courses and God knows what. And another person came and she's on the swing and she's singing, singing out loud, out loud, singing. You know, didn't care about who's there, who's watching. These kids are staring at me. I probably look very strange. No, didn't care. Just went on singing. And then there were these other kids that were just quiet and whispering to one another. And as I'm telling you, that some of them were high school kids. How do I know they were high school kids? Because they were talking about applying to different universities, right? different courses, the scholarship deadlines that they had missed. So because of their speech, their conversations, I got to know who they were. right? And others who were silent, I have no idea. I have no idea. What age they were, I could guess maybe, but I wouldn't be able to give you a right thing. So one talks and the other is silent. The one who talks, we can know about them, but the one who is silent, we don't know about them. But to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, both are the same. It doesn't make a difference to Him. He hears what we say with our tongues, and He hears what we say in our hearts what only our hearts hear. There are some things that people can hear because we verbalize those words. But there are other things that only our mind hears, our heart hears. Who knows about both? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you think about it, there is nothing at all that has been discovered, that has been you know made today that can help you hear the conversations that are going on in a person's head. You cannot have access to a person's heart. You cannot hear their thoughts. You cannot hear their thoughts. There's no access that you have inside their head, inside the conversations that are taking place in their heart. Who has that knowledge only? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why we have to be shy of Allah and conscious of Him with regards to what we say in our hearts even. What we think in our minds even. You know it's like if we're saying something and somebody hears us and then what happens? We become very conscious. We're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I didn't mean to raise my voice. I didn't mean to say that. It was just an accident. We go on apologizing. Because we said something that they should not have heard. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears what we say in our hearts even. So be shy of Him even in your heart. Even in your mind. Check your thoughts. What are they like? Are they clean? Are they filthy? Are they dirty? Are they nice? Are they pleasant? Are they ugly? What are our thoughts like? Because Whatever we see, whatever we hear, whatever we witness, there's always something going on in our minds, right? We're talking to ourselves. We're thinking our mind is working, our imagination is working. Every moment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what we're thinking. So our thoughts must be good. They must be clean. It's like you, when people were advised to be shy of Allah. And they said, yeah, we are shy. No, shyness is that you are shy of Him with respect to what is in your heart and with respect to what is in your stomach. Meaning, the most hidden aspects of your life even, be conscious of Him there too. What you put in your belly, the desires that you have inside your body, or the thoughts, the feelings that are in your head, be conscious of Him over there also. Because He has access, He knows. You know, sometimes we entertain very negative feelings about others. Very negative. They're talking to us nicely and on the surface we have a fake smile and in our heart we are cursing them. Allah is hearing those curse words that we are saying to that person in our hearts. Allah hears. He knows that. Because sawa' it is the same for Him. Whether you say it, you write it, or you keep it in. He knows us at every level. سواء منكم من أسرر القول ومن جهر به ومن. And also, it is the same for him who man, the one who مُستخ هو he مُستخفٍ بالليل is hiding in the night. وسارِبٌ بينها، and the one who is going about his way during the day. Now, the word مُستخفٍ. What's the root؟ خَفَى yeah خَفِي to be hidden mustakhfin mustakhfi is a person who is trying to hide. Trying to take cover. Okay? So, one is a person who is trying to hide during the night. He's trying to hide during the night. Why? Why would he be hiding during the night? Because he's doing something wrong? Otherwise, why does he have to hide himself? Like if you think about it, people when they go you know, break in different places, what do they do? Do they just walk in with their faces uncovered and no hoodie on their head? No. They will be wearing a big hoodie, you know, that's going to cover them from their sides. Why? So that even the cameras, they cannot catch their faces. And then they don't turn the lights on. Why? So that it's complete dark and nobody can see their face, nobody can identify them, even through security cameras. مُستَخْفِم بِاللَّيْلِ why don't people go and break in during the day? Why is it that robberies happen during the night? Why? Because people try to take the cover of the darkness. So, one is a person who is doing something wrong in the darkness of the night, and even in that darkness, he's hiding himself even more. And there is another person who is Sarib bin Nahar. Sarib, from the root letters, Sin Ra Ba Saraba. Sarb is basically. A hole of a wild animal. A hole of who? A wild animal. That it makes for the purpose of shelter. So for example, kind of a lizard or a snake or something like that. What does it do? It goes into its hole and it's gone. Hidden from your view. Right? Like for example, you are standing somewhere outside and you have no idea that there is millions of ants beneath your feet. Millions and trillions of ants beneath your feet. Why? Because they are in their holes. But that hole, what is it like? Is it just like a small hole? No, it's a pathway, it's a tunnel. Right? So, this is why Saraba is to go, is to continuously walk in a particular way. Okay? To make one's way, to go freely. So, Saribun bin Nahar gives us two meanings. Firstly, it means one who hides during the day, goes in the hole, okay? Hides during the day, and this is what many people do also. That during the day, if they're doing something wrong, how will they do it? Secretly, behind covers. Why? So that nobody can see them. Saribum bin Nahar. And secondly, sarib gives a meaning of one who is making his way in the day. Meaning in bright daylight, he's going about, driving on the highway, driving on the street, walking on the street, going about during the day, making his way. And he's manifest to people, people can see him. Because he's making his way amongst people. Hmm? So, two types of people are mentioned over here. Those who are hidden in the darkness of the night, and secondly, those who are exposed during the day, or those who hide themselves during the day, both, Allah subhanahu wa taala is watching them. Allah is watching them. No one can ever hide from Allah, whether it is dark, or it is bright daylight. Whether it is something that is done in behind closed doors, or it is something that is done open in front of everybody, it's the same to Him. He knows Himself, and He has also appointed His angels. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses.
1: وَإِن فَعَجَبٌ قَوْلُهُمْ أَإِذَا كُنَّا تُرَابًا لَفِي خَلْقٍ جَدِيدٌ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بربهم We أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ هُمْ فِيهَا
0: خَالِدُونَ وَيَسْتَعْجِلُونَكَ
1: بِالسَّيِّئَةِ قَبْلَ الْحَسَنَةِ وَقَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمُ the وَإِنَّ ربك فِيرَاتٍ لِّلنَّاسِ عَلَى ظُلْمِهِمْ وَإِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَشَدِيدُ الْعِقَابِ وَيَطُولُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ آيَةٌ We الله the ما who كل the people who وما the وكل شيء are the We الكبير المتعال ones منكم من أسر القول ومن are به ومن هو مستخف بالليل وَمَنْ هُوَ مُسْتَخْفٍ بِاللَّيْلِ وَسَارِبٌ بِالنَّهَارِ